Uh, do you know what the nation's favourite carol is? Every year, Classic FM, the radio station, do a poll of the nation's favourite Christmas carol. And, uh, and they're doing one at the moment. You can go online tonight and vote if you wanted to. Uh, last year, anyone want to guess which one won? Silent Night? Silent Night, interesting guess. Silent Night had been top for the previous two years. For 2014 and 15, Silent Night had been number one. It was knocked off the spot last, top spot last year by the one we've just sung. Oh Holy Night, apparently, as of last year, was the nation's favourite carol. So if you want to put a vote in, you can still do that. I'm sure there's time this year. There's, there's a really famous carol that never, ever makes it anywhere near Classic FM's top 30. Uh, it's probably one of, by some measures, one of the worst carols, although it's really well known. Uh, I, I ran carol services back down in Exeter for 20 years, and I know we never, ever chose this carol for a carol service. We, have, we haven't sung it tonight, and we're not going to, because in, in some ways, it's a very, very weird choice for a carol, but it's really well known. If you know the movie Love Actually, anyone know that Christmas movie, Love Actually? Do you remember the scene where Hugh Grant, who's playing the Prime Minister, is walking around Wandsworth going door to door? And he meets two little girls and they ask him to sing a carol. Well, this is the carol he sings. This one that's never sung at carol services. Carol singers sing it all the time, but for some reason not in carol services. And I think it's because, uh, it, by most measures, it's not a great carol. No stable in this carol. No donkeys. No stars. No angels. No shepherds. No magi. No Joseph. No Mary. No Jesus in this carol. Anyone want to guess which one I'm talking about? Very good. Good King Wenceslas is a really famous carol, but it's one, interestingly, that we hardly ever sing. I'm, I'm guessing probably, if you know the carol at all, I'm guessing 90% of us who know it only know the first verse. So do you want, let, let me remind you, it goes like this. I won't sing it. I wouldn't be that cruel to you. Good King Wenceslas looked out on the Feast of Stephen, when the snow lay round about, deep and crisp and even. Brightly shone the moon that night, though the frost was cruel, when a poor man came in sight, gathering winter fuel. Could anyone tell us what happens next in this carol? Just like I won't ask you to, but anyone know what happens next? Okay, some of us, some of us know. Well, here, here's what happens. It's based apparently on a true figure. Wenceslas was a, a 10th century duke in Bohemia. That's what we today call the Czech Republic. And he was a great king, by all accounts. His nickname was Vlad the Good. And one day, it's actually Boxing Day, the Feast of St. Stephen's is Boxing Day, which as far as I can tell is the only thing that makes this a carol. So one day, Boxing Day, he's looking out of his castle and he sees a, a poor guy, a pauper, scrubbing around in the snow for firewood. That's the first verse. But if we sing on, we discover this. Wenceslas decides to make a great journey to take this guy a feast in his shack. So he calls to one of his servants, one of his page boys, and he loads him up with food and firewood, and together, Wenceslas and his, his heavily laden servant go through a blizzard to take this guy a feast, this poor guy a feast. And there, rather frustratingly, the carol ends. We don't know what happens next. We're left with them kind of halfway through this journey to the poor guy's house. Now, I just want to picture what might happen if the carol had carried on. Can you imagine? There's a very, very poor man. Uh, he's snowbound. He's been scrubbing around for firewood. It's Christmas time. There's a knock on the door, and he opens the door in all his poverty, his flaking front door, 
And there in front of him stands his king. And his king has brought him a feast. And the king comes into his house, makes him a glorious meal, uh, fires up his, his fireplace with all this great firewood, and suddenly warmth and nourishment and life come into this guy's Christmas celebrations. The carol doesn't finish that way, but I suspect that's the way it's probably leading. There's a really big idea in there, isn't there? There's something really big going on. And it does, I think, resonate with the Christmas story. For a start, as I said earlier, it's, this is all about journeys. And there are some remarkable journeys in the Christmas story. We've sung about some of them tonight. So we sang about the Magi, who made that remarkable journey, a journey they had to make, a great journey. They looked into the stars, and they'd seen that the way the constellations had been ordered was somehow pointing towards the birth of a king in Israel, a birth that was so important that it had been, that its message, its announcement had been woven into the way the stars were working, presumably since creation. Have you thought about that, how stunning this star was? Presumably that had been woven into the heavens from creation. So vital was this birth going to be? So they had to make this great journey. Maybe the journey of King Wenceslas is a little echo of the journey the Magi made all those centuries before. There are other great journeys, aren't there? There's the journey of, of Mary and Joseph to, to Bethlehem. That's a pretty remarkable journey. And we get that detail in the reading we had, don't we, that the, the, the reason they made the journey was because the Roman Empire had ordered a census. Now, we know the other reason is it had been prophesied that this birth was going to take place in Bethlehem. So it kind of blows my mind that I think what's happening is God is taking the most powerful superpower of the day, the Roman Empire, and he's making them like a little pawn in his hand. And he's, he's ordering history so that Mary and Joseph arrive just where they have to arrive at just the right time for this birth. Two people who would have seen nothing in the world's eyes, little people, are the center of the story. And the ones you would think were most important, the mighty Roman Empire, are just operating in the service under God's sovereignty for Mary and Joseph. That's a remarkable story, isn't it? And then there's the story of the journey of the shepherds to the stable. That's another great journey, isn't it? This is such an incredible event, great joy for all people. It just had to be witnessed and worshipped. But the people God chose to be the first witnesses to this birth were not the high and the mighty. They were the shepherds. And with apologies to any shepherds who are here tonight, first century shepherds were amongst the most despised people in their culture. They were, they were nomads. They were, they were not trusted because they traveled from place to place. They had a reputation, many of them, as being thieves and of being dirty because they never got to wash. It was some of the lowest of the low who got to witness the birth of the King of Kings. There are just some incredible journeys in this story. And maybe Wenceslas just reflects, echoes some of those great journeys. There's one more incredible journey, the greatest journey of all in the Christmas story. And it's, it's not a journey any human makes. It's the journey that God himself makes. It's the journey of the eternal Son of God from the heart of the Godhead into a human womb. That's an incredible journey. It's the journey of spirit to flesh. That's an incredible journey. It's the journey of the creator of the universe into flesh, into the life of a human being, into this baby born in this stable. 
I said earlier, one of the turning points for me in, in wanting to think about Christianity as a young man who was just striving for truth was this. If love meant so much to me, if relationship meant so much to me, and if I was made in the image of a God, then presumably relationship is crucial to him. If I'm made in his image, that's what he's like. That just seemed logical to my simple mind. And that said to me, the, true, the truth about the cosmos and about God and the universe probably then revolves around some event where it's claimed that God himself came in relationship to meet people like me and like you. And that's when Christianity just started to make sense to me because that's exactly what it claims. And I think that's where good King Wenceslas, the carol, really starts to latch onto something. A king comes through a blizzard to a poor man to give him warmth and light and nourishment and life itself. I was spiritually poor. I was lost. I was starving. I was cold. I was spiritually dead. And Jesus walked through far worse than a blizzard to come and find me and to give me life. And that's what he's offering for each of us this Christmas time. And that was an absolutely necessary journey because I needed a saviour and with all due respect wherever you are tonight you need a saviour too because we needed as we heard in some of these beautiful readings one who had to be pierced for our transgressions bruised for our iniquities one who whose death had to carry the punishment for all the ways that you and I have gone astray like sheep who've just wandered off we needed through this baby born to die, the forgiveness of our sins at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the start of his gospel, John puts it like this. The word, and that's a word that means the governing principle of the whole universe, everything that ties everything together, God himself. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us, came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. But to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I'm going to finish in just a minute, but before I do, can I, can I just talk about, very briefly, one more journey that I think we all need to consider making this Christmas time. And it's a journey in, in two parts. So here's part one of this, of this final journey. And it's a personal journey. And this one is a journey into our own hearts, into our own souls, into ourselves. How about this Christmas time? We, we take a moment, just in the quiet somewhere, to get real about ourselves. To acknowledge that what the Bible says about us is actually true. We have gone astray. We have got lost. We have refused to give God his rightful place as the king of our lives. So this first part of this last journey is a journey of, of confession. It's a journey, as one of the carols we sang tells us, is just to get on our knees and say sorry to God for our pride and our self-reliance and our rejection of him. He came, John says in that reading, to those who should have been his, and we have refused him and that's the first journey I just invite you to make this Christmas if you've never made it before. That journey just to get real. The journey that explains why Christ's journey to us 
was necessary in the first place. The journey that just confesses the debt we owe to our creator for all the ways we've pushed him away and out of our lives and the damage we've done to ourselves and to other people as we've done that. If you've never done that this Christmas, how about doing it? Just making that journey into yourself and acknowledging what the Bible calls your sin and just saying sorry to God for it. And the second part of this journey that I'm going to encourage us to make this Christmas time is the journey to the foot of the empty cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. To kneel before it and thank him that that death was for our forgiveness and for the new life that we can enjoy in his incredible resurrection power. You know, it strikes me in the Christmas story, Mary would probably have, have carried the stain of illegitimacy all her life. I guess for those that weren't in the know, throughout her life, Mary, the mother of Jesus, would have been looked down upon and sneered upon for having given birth to a child outside of marriage, which in that culture at that time would have been completely unacceptable. She would have carried throughout her life the stain of a sin she didn't commit. And in doing that, I think, we just see a little foreshadowing of what Jesus is going to do. He's going to carry the stain of sins he didn't commit. And the stain of the sin he didn't commit, he's going to carry, is my sin and your sin. He lives the perfect life, and yet he willingly carries the stain for our sin. And the great journey I think we all need to make is to confess that sin and then kneel at the cross of the Lord Jesus and say, thank you, thank you, thank you for dying in my place, for taking my sin upon yourself, that I can be forgiven and I can start this incredible relationship with the living God. Uh, I, I believe, and I know that Sunbridge believes, that journey is the most necessary and vital journey any human life can make. The journey to confession and repentance and forgiveness and new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we urge you, if you have never made that journey, make it this Christmas time. Maybe even make it tonight. On the way out, we're going to be offering you, just as a, a free thing to take, this little booklet. It's called The Choice We Face. And it's just a very simple summary of everything we've been doing this evening and thinking about tonight and the heart of the Christian message. And it explains how you make, step by step, how you can make that journey for yourself into the arms of the living God through forgiveness at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So please take one of those and take it home tonight. It might be the most important thing you ever do and the most vital thing that you ever take the time to read. In one of the last things he wrote, John, the apostle of Jesus, had a vision and he, the vision was of Jesus standing at the door of a human life. And Jesus says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Do you remember Wenceslas? If the, if the mission was completed, he comes to the poor guy's door and he knocks. John pictures Jesus standing at the door and knocking. Jesus says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The only reason we can make the journey into the arms of the living God is because God first made a great journey to us in the Lord Jesus Christ that first Christmas time. And once again this Christmas, Jesus stands at the door of my life and your life and he knocks. And he offers you spiritual food. He offers you forgiveness, nourishment, warmth, light. 
He offers you life itself. This Christmas, will you welcome in the King of Kings? In a minute, we're going to close our service in prayer. But before we do that, we're going to sing again our final carol. And it's a beautiful choice to finish with. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. As we sing this together, let's open the door to him. Would you stand and sing? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for making history's greatest journey. We're sorry for the rebellion in our hearts that made it so necessary. And we want to open the door of our lives to you afresh tonight and accept the forgiveness and the new life that you offer through your death and resurrection. This Christmas time, Lord, please enter in and be born in us this day. And we pray these things in your precious name. Amen. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this Christmas time and forevermore. Amen.